Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Above the Yellow Line live stream on the Toby Christiecom YouTube and Facebook pages. Also, the Above the Yellow Line Twitch page. My name is Taylor, if you don't know me, and I'm joined by Ben, ATYL crew member. We we love Ben. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a been a pretty chill week overall, just kind of hanging out. It's sweater weather. Yes. Uh, here, finally, got my uh, Costco sweater out for the day, um, but it's, it's good fall weather, getting excited. It's almost... It's almost spooky season, so I'm getting some Halloween movies ready to go. So, I will say, like, I already have Halloween decorations like up around the studio. They're not like visible yet, but they're like they're here. There's a notable presence. Well, like the lights, I bought them a yeah. year ago. They're Halloween lights. They're purple and orange, and I've just left them up. So, see, we're we're here for like Halloween. Like, we're, we're probably gonna do a show. I mean, we're gonna do a show the week of Halloween, and we're gonna get spooky. We we dressed up last year, and that was uh, super yeah. fun. I gotta be here this year and dress <laughs> up. So, yeah. <laughs> well. I'm excited about it. Uh, we're going to talk Bristol. Um, we also have Stephen Malazzi joining us. Yo. Hey. Hello. Hey guys. How are we doing? Good. How are yeah. you? Uh, living the dream. A little tired. Uh, yeah. Law school's kicking my butt. But uh, otherwise, you know, doing pretty good. Can't complain. Did you say law school? Yes. Yeah. Ah. I uh, missed a few days of law school to run Bristol. Um, and that, uh, that kind of killed me. Set me back a little bit. But. Um, on the grind to catch back up nonstop, working hard, all that good stuff. We love it. Love it. So for those who don't know, you maybe didn't watch our last episode. Just give us a brief little summary about yourself for those who are new to your journey and story. Yeah, I am Stephen Malazzi, an extremely mediocre driver in the NASCAR Craftsman truck series. Um, I do occasional races whenever I can. Um, small time driver. No real major backing, just kind of figuring it out race by race. Um, I've been sponsored by a go-kart company that I used to drive for, uh, the NASCAR gambling community, which is pretty sweet. I have nice. been sponsored by um, ARS Construction at St. Louis and greatpoconohomes.com at Pocono. And then somehow out of my ass, we got sponsored <laughs> by Outback Steakhouse at Bristol Motor Speedway which I think is probably the coolest thing I've ever had done in my life. I was a server at Outback for a few years, and I started this Twitter campaign to get Outback on board and sponsor yours truly. And finally they did, and we got a race done at Bristol. That's nice. incredible. Like, that's a good summary. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a great summary. I thought it was good. A plus. Yeah. But like you all, you're also a crew guy for um, Rayum, correct? Like uh, yeah. time. I, I now I don't think I'm any longer a crew guy so much as I am a, an employee. Like I work for right. RBR. I do a lot of their um, management level stuff. Like I I, yes. I help Josh out with a lot of uh, stuff after after the fire at Rain Brothers Racing. Mm -hmm. um, I also do some of their social media sometimes, depending on the day of the week. We've got a social media guy Lance who's great, but um, I, I I did that for a while. So I, I'm in and out. I was a full time. Excuse me, this is a full time road traveling guy. Uh, back in 2021, I did that oh, stuff God. for RBR. And like being on the road, how difficult was that? Just like full time, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, uh, love it. <laughs> and, and honestly, and and like I people, I I got into an argument with some people on Twitter about this a while ago. Um, thank you, Levi. I appreciate it. Um, I got back into it with a few people on Twitter a, a year ago or so. Because I, I people found out I was not paid by Ryan Brothers Racing for the time I was there. I remember there. this. Yes, and and here's here was my thing about it. 
I knew nothing about NASCAR stock cars. Like I, not only did I know nothing about NASCAR stock cars, I knew nothing, period. I couldn't screw in a bolt if I tried. Um, and Josh basically took me in. He paid for my travel, my flights, my food. He, he helped me out. He was great about the whole thing and taught me everything. Like would assign somebody to help me do a lot of stuff and taught me a lot of the skills I now have about racing. Taught me the ins and outs of the industry. Got me a license, did this, did that. So like for me, working eight to five at RBR was was totally worth it. But it did mean that I was, I was pretty exhausted all the time because from six to about close, I would be slinging pies at Domino's Pizza uh, delivering food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. I was pretty. Yeah. Next sponsorship yeah. deal? Question mark. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Been there, been there, done that. And and if you remember NASCAR and Domino's were actually a thing back in back. Yeah. In oh yeah. They left, and part of the reason was for that was because they, uh, I think they got sued because of the thirty minutes or less promotion. Oh yes. So yeah. now I don't think they want delivery and speed associated with one another. I did at one point have a nice little little sponsorship deal with with uh, my regional partners, the, the stores that I had worked for, Domino's. So I've done a good job at getting my employers to chip in, um, but uh, <laughs> they uh, they helped support me back in the day. The 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 woman who um, her name is Rebecca. She does all of the Charlottesville, like the the kind of the Virginia area Domino's stuff. She's lovely, and she supported my late model racing back yeah. in the day when she could, which was great. Nice. So how did you, like, okay, you say you knew nothing about a NASCAR stock car, and you knew nothing, but you raced late models. How does that work? So long story short, I was a go-kart racer. Dad got okay. sick, cancer, left the sport. He comes in, guns a-blazing, five years later, supposed to be dead, all this crazy shit. Sorry, I forget. I, I don't know if I can curse on this. You know one. what? Go for it. Let it slide. Sorry about you, that. Let it slide. Just no <laughs> um, uh, And he basically says, hey, he's like, if I treated my cancer the way you treated racing, I would have dead five bad word years ago. And I'm like, uh, that's kind of a crazy thing to say to your son. But also it, it got the point across. And then I moved to Charlotte like a month later. And um, I literally ended up just walking into RBR. Mm -hmm. And there was this guy who I had met through a mutual connection who sat me down and talked to Josh and, and Josh basically taught me everything I know about race cars. That's pretty much where it started. I basically learned how to drive a race car on a simulator, which is pretty crazy to say out loud. And then I just one day did it in real life. I entered the Carolina pro late model series and I did a bunch of races down there after buying my own stuff. And yeah, that almost like, I don't have any more money to spend in late models. If I'm going to be a NASCAR driver, just got to go straight to NASCAR and see what happens. And that's mm -hmm. quite literally what I did. <laughs> I went Solid. Yeah, I did Mid-Ohio, which Taylor interviewed me after. Um, yeah, finished 22nd. Some people thought I wasn't quite ready for it, but again, finished 22nd. We came home with a clean race truck, so, uh, except for the practice incident, which we don't have to get into. We don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't want to talk about that. And since then, you know, I've gone on to have some pretty good runs. Um, Bristol, I think, was by far my worst performance as a driver, mm. <laughs> which, which really sucks. Because we drew so much attention to myself, or I drew so much attention to myself for Bristol, and then completely crapped the bed. I feel like. Um, and what obviously, happened with Timmy Hill? Did he? Did he end up like running a, into you? Or? He did a one-two Timmy Hill special going going into one of the corners. I don't. I forget if it was one or three. Bristol's so disorienting; you don't really know which corner you're in. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you're just kind of going around and round and round. 
Uh, I actually talked to Timmy after the race, and, and I think a lot of the radio traffic of me saying I was going to wreck Timmy Hill got a lot of attention. First off, Timmy Hill is one of the guys I don't know that you could ever wreck. Um, I think he's he's you know pretty impeccable when it comes to his driving record. But also, I think because Brock Beer tweeted about it, it got a lot of more attention than it would have otherwise have gotten. And um, it was just a heat of the moment comment. Like here I am out here, very clearly slow. Um, you know, and like, it really hurt my guts because Josh, Josh told me that he missed the mark after. And I felt bad because I'm like, Josh, you'd never miss the mark, man. I'm like, let's be honest. You have, you're the reason I have a racing career. Like there is, mm-hmm. there is nothing you ever have to apologize to me for, you know, uh, it, it was a, it was a combination of things that, that let us down at Bristol and, and I take the brunt of the responsibility, but, um, we were very clearly off the pace. I mean, at this point, we're probably two or three laps down going into the edge of stage one. Maybe maybe it was stage two. I don't remember. And Timmy is on the lead lap, and he's going into the corner, and I've been on the bottom all night long, just bottom, letting people go on the outside, yeah. go around me. Um, and all of a sudden, going into the corner, I get slammed from behind and um, go right up the racetrack. And, and what I was not pissed about was not getting hit. What I was pissed about was the fact that I almost took out a playoff contender with me. My goal was to go out there and learn as much as I can while staying out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we were doing all week long. We were, you know, or all weekend, all day long. I guess it was a day show. Kind of crazy to think about. Um, and basically, um, I almost took out Nick. And I was like, that's, that's the last thing I wanted to do. So I asked who it was. And Timmy Hill, I feel like in the NASCAR garage, is probably the guy who should understand what it's like to be an underfunded equipment more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And like he understands, I feel like, hey, like this is not, uh, it, it doesn't matter who's behind the wheel. The truck's probably not going to be up to speed. Now, I went after the race and talked to Timmy about it. And he told me like, hey, he's like, trust me, I totally get it. He's like, I, I understand it. And he's like, I, it was not my fault. He's like, I got slammed from behind and went right into it. And I felt bad about it. He's like, I promise you, I'm sorry. And he was super apologetic and very clearly like, I did not wreck Timmy Hill. Like that was not something that was ever in the cards. Right. For me, I wreck somebody. It comes out of my pocket and I, I don't really have the money to fix a truck that I total because I have a grudge against somebody who is on the lead lap fighting to get back through, stay on the lead lap and, and, you know, like just move me out of the way. I would have been really pissed if we had took out Sanchez though. And I let him know during the race, I was just pleased, pulled up alongside him, kind of like gave him a, you know, little shrug and rev the engine at him and let him know like, Hey, that's, that was horse crap, but it wasn't his fault. He it really wasn't. And I think mm-hmm. I said on Twitter, like Timmy Hill is one of the guys I have the utmost respect for in NASCAR. He's kind of the model of somebody that that drivers like me have to shoot for. You know, you want to shoot for a Timmy Hill S career where you know you end up racing full time. You get decent equipment in the truck series. That's not that's you know not not dog crap. He runs he runs competitively each and every week with what he's mm-hmm. got, um, and he gets chances in Cup and Xfinity when he can take them. And like that's. That's the goal for drivers who don't have backing like like me. So I have the utmost respect for Timmy Hill, and uh, I was just pissed off in the moment. Tough week, racing deal. Um, obviously, wish we had been running better, and we just didn't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, Bristol. I mean, every track is different. Every track has its unique. I don't want to say issues, but hardships. Is Bristol the toughest track that you've raced at, or even to? Yeah. I mean, Mid Ohio feels like it's rough too. <laughs> I've never been afraid behind the wheel of anything I think I've ever driven since I was a little kid. I, I don't know that I've ever been scared. Bristol scares me. Like that is a, I, I did not like, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. Like, and they always say, you know, the scare race car drivers aren't race car drivers. 
that I guess at Bristol, I was, I was a tractor driver, not a race car driver. Cause I was terrible. <laughs> um, I, I really like, I'll, I'll admit it. Pocono didn't really scare me. Turn one, the first time's intimidating. You go in 185, 190, whatever the heck it is. And uh, you basically have to have to convince yourself that you can basically make it through without using the brake pedal, which is, is pretty much true. Um, that's intimidating. Gateway was big in size, but in reality, it's not that scary of a racetrack. Martinsville, I, I really just kind of felt at home, short track racing, all that good stuff. You know, that's what I did in uh, in uh, in late models when I was growing up. In Mid Ohio, I was just more excited than anything else. Like I was. I was more eager to learn about how to drive a race car because if they got a road course was something that I had to basically learn in the middle of a NASCAR race. Um, so I, I don't know that I've ever really been scared before. I, I was terrified to make a mistake at Bristol. Like I, I knew that, that I was almost in the way of the playoff guys. And that is not something that I wanted to do at all. So it was a little scary. The truck was super duper duper on edge. And even Josh said to me after the race, like, Hey, that thing looked mad loose, like super duper loose based on the tire pressures and the tires that we, that we took off that bad boy. And um, it was just, it was, it was on edge all night. And it was kind of crazy that, that uh, we were able to hang it as close to the bottom as we were. I had a big moment at one point with like 25 or 30 to go coming off of four and I thought we were done, but I held on to it just barely. Um, and uh, it was just, it was a, it was a tough race for us. And I think the combination of, of, you know, trying to make it on, on an, in an underfunded car with, uh, by the way, I say underfunded and, and like, I don't think that's a knock on, on RBR, right? Like I think I'd love RBR right. and, and, um, and, and by the way, I keep saying Josh and, and RBR because Josh is the one who broke this deal with AM for me. Um, that's why I keep saying that I'm glad hey, somebody saw the same. I didn't think that anybody noticed that. Um, <laughs> we love it. But, um, yeah, it was a nut save. I totally thought I was, I was freaking in the fence on the inside wall. Um, but, uh, I, I don't think it's a knock on, on these teams that I'm racing for. I think at the end of the day, these teams need to exist. So drivers like me can get experience. And I think for what it's worth, Josh puts in way more of an effort than what he gets out of it at this point. Um, and I think he's working. And I think before the fire, RBR was on pace to be a real surprise team this year. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I, I know just how disappointed. Um, 22 truck, AM Racing at Bristol. Outback Steakhouse, eat there, get a blooming onion. I know how disappointed um, Josh was when that happened. And I think disappointed is the wrong word. When your when your damn shop burns down, that's a little more of a disappointment. <laughs> um, yeah. so there, was, there was a that was a big setback for the guys, and I think that RBR would would you know be fighting for a top thirty position in points right now with the guys at AM and with you know Timmy Hill and with a lot of these guys who were right around that thirty to twenty eighth range. If it weren't for that shot fire, I think that mm -hmm. really hurt the team this year and set us back a little bit. Um, but the end of the day you know i think we did learn i think it did get better as a race car driver um i've never been more comfortable and uncomfortable behind the wheel at the same time if that makes any sense i felt like i feel at home inside the race car now i, I i'm getting used to the fans and the starts and this and that and like i i think i said on the radio and somehow i got crapped on for this i don't know why that's something i get crapped on for i've done eight live pit stops in my whole life but i asked my crew chief about whether or not we're getting better at pit stops 
And I think like right at this point, we're, we're almost totally used to it. I think I got really good at getting in and getting out of the box. And um, like for us, that's a big step. Like we're, we're working on getting the things done that I don't have to worry about anymore when I go to the racetrack. Mm-hmm. And it's right. off when all you have to focus on is actually racing as opposed to, oh, starts, oh, restarts, oh, pit stops, oh, this, that, and the other. Like, oh, shifting, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, the fans. Now we're working on, um, on okay, let's actually get to racing. Yeah. And that's why I think I was so disappointed with how uh, Bristol went because at Pocono, we were racing some trucks. Like, we were really, we were really having a good time. We were out there racing around the young guys, around the 04, around Josh, around like around these trucks that we're supposed to be competing against. We were racing against them. Mm-hmm. And when we finished 24th ahead of, I think, five trucks that were running at the end. Like that's a that is a good result for us. Um, and um yeah, I, I was just really disappointed to go in for that, uh for that, for that, and end up eight laps down based on pure speed we were competitive with one other truck we were racing greg van alst the whole time oh yes it was it was just me and him and like we were just we were just uh, a mound i feel like greg's season must be such a roller coaster for that guy (laughs) he's been through it you lose you lose the i think he ended up not being able to finish the arctic season out and now he ends up finding himself on a full-time truck ride and but he's been having a tough NASCAR National Series start to his career. Yeah. yeah he just had a tough year of losing his father, too. Yeah. yeah. And he deserves he deserves better than that, man. I, I hope he mm-hmm. uh I hope he catches a break here and there. Um uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And you talked about learning a lot. So, like what specifically did you take from this race as opposed to other races? Like, what can you build upon for whatever you're in the truck, car, whatever you're in next? Yeah, I think I think the most important thing that we learned is is consistency, right? And then figuring mm-hmm. out how to get into a rhythm. Um, and I think as the race went on, we got better at, at understanding that that concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the idea of getting into a rhythm when you're getting lapped every 15 or 25 laps is a difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I think we actually we we actually found a half decent line on the bottom that we were getting we were getting into it, kind of just doing the same thing over and over again and repetition. <laughs> Being methodical with it um, is important. I also, um, I also got much more comfortable in traffic. <laughs> That's good. And same thing. Obviously, not in the way we want to. I'd rather be lapping the back. But um, you know, Josh, Josh told me some stories that that helped me keep my head high. Um, and, and you know, some of them are are along the lines of, "Hey, like at the end of the day." Anybody can hop in a KBM truck and be top 10 on the speed charts. Like it is what it is. Um, your objective needs to be to keep building these relationships with sponsors, learning mm-hmm. and take your chances when you get them. And, and I think um, that a lot of what he said, and it was actually not even Thursday. It was Tuesday on my way back from doing some appearances at, at the world's greatest steakhouse um, that allowed me to, to kind of hear this perspective from him because honestly, Thursday and Friday, I did not want to talk about it. I was like, this is, this is awful. This for me was my, was my shining moment. It was my here. Look at me. We did this mm-hmm. awesome thing. Like Outback Steakhouse is a major brand, arguably one of the biggest sponsors in the truck series, probably the second biggest behind Menards or at least most recognizable. I would say mm-hmm. um, like there's not many super recognizable sponsors because a lot of them are owned by the parents of the driver. Um, oh. So, <laughs> 
Um, and like for us to do this with the experience we've had in NASCAR so far was sweet. And everybody noticed Clint Boyer, Kenny Wallace, Barstool Sports, Sports Illustrated, like all these these major Fox. I, I got some stuff on Fox. I got some stuff on CBS. I got some stuff on NBC Ten Philadelphia. Like all yeah. this stuff went and, NBC, and like Philly is like the fourth biggest news market in the country. Yep, it's, it's wild. We we freaking shot our shot and said, "Hey, everybody, look at me!" And then that guy shook the bed, which was really just made me sad. Um, but yeah, Josh, Josh said some stuff that really let me hold my head high. And I think, um, talking to him on that ride home from, from making those outback appearances really made me feel better about everything that's going on. Um, it's tough, you know, cause, cause there are a lot of fans who understand racing and understand like, Hey, it is, it is not an easy game to play. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is a lot of times pay to play and, uh, oh, yeah. you can, you can either have money or you can't. And like, if you can find the money to get into great rides, you could probably find your way to being a great race car driver. Um, and that's what's so difficult because, you know, uh, people, people were like, Oh, eight laps down. And why would Outback sponsor this kid? And you know, that, that stuff kind of hits close to home, but I, I worked for that company for years. I've been, I think the best brand representative I can be. There's literally no better food in the world than that of Outback steakhouse. Um, and like, where else can you have a, a NASCAR driver survey? I feel like that's a pretty cool thing. To that's have. very unique. Um, uh, um, but uh, and I think that's why I earned that sponsorship. Like I, I talked yeah. to them for months about getting it done and getting it going. And um, at the end of the day, race car driving isn't about how well you can drive a race car, right? That's right. That is what it is. So, um, yeah, I just I hope to keep working on it, and I and I just wish people understood like especially behind behind the social media behind all this stuff there there's a guy just sitting here yeah and, and you know yeah. like it's it's tough as if i don't pour my heart and soul and i feel like i work probably harder than the 99 of the nascar garage i really do i and like i'm not just saying that because i i take I, I the only reason i would say that is because i take pride in what i do but like drivers like timmy josh rayum myself um a lot of these guys who are doing a few starts when they can or Timmy, who owns his own race team, right? Timmy and Josh obviously own their own race teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the the learning curve of how exponentially hard we have to work to get it to get what we have is is insane. Um, and, and that is what it is. Like, and I could I could call out people. I'm not going to. I'm not here to do that. I I just there are very clearly people who get handed what they have, and that's why they race the way that they do. That's why they're okay mm-hmm. with wrecking people and. And yeah. trash trucks because they know there's somebody there to sign the checks at the end of the day, right? But I feel like if we maybe had more people like Josh and Timmy in the sport, we'd see a lot more respectful racing as opposed to uh, what we end up with in the truck series. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean that that's been a topic of debate this whole season. We. Oh, yeah. uh, Taylor, when when well, you were in Mid Ohio too. When we were all at Mid Ohio, we talked to. I grabbed Ryan Vargas and talked oh, to yeah. him after the race because he was he was livid about He's someone that I won't name, uh, but he called him Dipping Dots uh, and was just pissed off because he got punted on the last lap. Uh, and it, dots. you could find the article I think on Toby Christophe, <laughs> and I think it names who it is. So I'm not sure. Um, but if like, we're talking about the same driver, I'll, I'll I'll go into it in detail on the bubble the yellow line if we want. Uh, <laughs> That's see. for Taylor to decide. Um, but um, like, there's been a discrepancy <laughs> of like driving styles in the truck series, and yeah. many people have talked about it. Yeah. So, oh yeah, different different driver. 
Um, <laughs> different driver, different driver. <laughs> it's not. Um, so, yeah, no, and like, I think it's a great point. Is the truck series really even a feeder series anymore? Like, yeah. There's not we even that really, weekly here. Yeah, there's not even really a ladder. Like, it's not a ladder. It's just people find their home in the truck series. And if you can have money, eventually you'll move up. It has yeah. nothing to do with how well you finish. Um, uh, God, you're really making me want to talk about some stuff. Uh, but it's it's just so true. It's so crazy to me that that what is supposed to be a ladder system, trucks, mm -hmm. Xfinity, Cup, or even let me go a step further. Arca trucks, Xfinity, Cup has now become like each has its own identity. And if you yeah. whichever one you can have the money to race in is the one that you have money to race in. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go a step further and say the only one with any real value and being a phenomenal driver is cup now because there's mm -hmm. actual advertising like significant significant advertising value and unless if you can bring press to a company like steven jay did with outback steakhouse um it, and like by the way that's a huge story right like yeah. that is that is a story that generated a lot of pr uh for outback but like uh, when when most companies sign on with truck series there's not this great background story that that gives it all this press and, and pr and attention that really shows an roi because you can go spend 150 grand on google and get targeted ad clicks that are directed to yeah. your company and it makes it really tough to find these advertisers that want to jump in and give the most talented drivers chances mm -hmm. yeah yeah. This might be like a huge question, but like, we, I mean, and even to behind the scenes with the drivers I'm working with and things like that, like I, of course I had the fan perspective of the sport. Then last year I started working behind the scenes. And I'm like, this is a totally different side that nobody sees. A lot of people don't understand, but it's like trying to find the solutions, like what in the truck series, even to Xfinity, but even Arca, like, is there a solution to help these underfunded teams or to help the, the, like the identity crisis or even just the sponsorship argument of where we can have those talented drivers that are deserving of rides get seats and it's not dependent on funding. Like, do you see a solution to all of this or is it just kind of like we're just running the course? No, no, I don't, I don't know what the solution would be. Here's, here's the problem. And this is, this is, I actually had a great conversation about this today with somebody. Um, and like, it all stems from this developing technology age that we have combined with a decrease in popularity in NASCAR um, means that it's just, it's tough to find that type of advertising value in the sport. And you see, like you could say, Oh, well let's spend, let's let the, if we can't solve the bring more money in, let's solve the less spend more money problem. There will always be somebody willing to step in, willing to write a check for these teams to get behind the wheel. There will always be a bidding war. There will always be somebody who values it enough to do it and spend that money. And you could say, well, then why not just spend less money? Well, I mean, like relatively speaking, it's tens of thousands of dollars a race to get behind the wheel of an, uh, even like an RBR truck. Right. And like, I mean, mm -hmm. you know what that does. And like even Norm Benning probably spends $10,000 to oh, yeah. racetrack just, just, and and to run seconds off the pace, and Norm does it because he loves it, right? It's a truck that he keeps in his freaking garage. Like he's yeah. not to be competitive. But even Norm, it's like by the time you get licensed, by the time you get people to go with you, by the time you pay for gas to get to the racetrack, by the time you work on the truck by yourself, by the time you buy tires, it's probably a ten thousand dollar ordeal. So unless if you institute some type of 
fully sanctioned like series that is okay. Here is 36 race cars, like literally SRX. Okay. Here is 36 race cars. We will make the bottom series of NASCAR a talent-based series where we select 36 of the best stories that we think deserve to be in it. Okay. And we will spend a little money, like not a lot of money. We will spend basically the same amount of money to put everybody in the same exact truck. And that's what we'll get. The spec series. Yep. A literal spec series. Yeah. The problem is who, who foots the bill for the spec series. And and you Mm -hmm. ask yourself, like, even, even if we lower the cost to $800,000 a year, the same people who can write an $800,000 check are going to be the people who could write a $2.5 million check. So the point here is even the trucks that are at the back of the field are unaffordable to most drivers. Yeah. And it, and it creates the problem because the same people, this is why none of this is why it's so difficult to be a small team owner. Um, The people who can't afford that $800,000 check can probably just afford a $2.5 million check and go run with one of the big guys. It's such a niche field of people. Um, so you really just need to find a way to, if you want a true solution, okay, make make ARCA worth it. Make ARCA a full-blown spec series, okay? Literally use old race cars that are outdated that people don't want anymore. Prep them all the same way. Make sure they are all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And you know how you teach drivers to run with respect? You tell them that if they crash their race car, it's on them to fix or NASCAR will fix it and they put someone else in the seat. And I guarantee you, every driver, all 36 of them, will grow up learning how to race with respect at that point. You're not wrong. It's it's a crazy idea. It's not even a realistic idea in my mind. I don't think it's, it's something that would ever even be considered. But mm-hmm. I think it's what should happen. Even running late models is, is hundreds of thousands of dollars to do a full season in the best oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, especially now. Crazy. JR Motorsports has a freaking late model. I yeah. mean, do you know how much money that late model probably costs to run? <laughs> More than that. I mean, what's crazy, like, this is something, too, that I think about a lot because where I cover the ARC series, I see a lot of, I see the Alex Clubs and right. the, the fast tracks of the world that are, again, they're out there because they love the sport. But again, like, it's like 50, 60 grand to put together, like, a few ARCA races, let alone a whole season. Yeah. So no, and, and like Alex Club is a phenomenal example. I mm-hmm. love that freaking guy. Mm-hmm. Love him. He's he good, is, dude. He's such a grind guy. When he crashed at Bristol, so sad. So mm-hmm. sad. Um, but like you see, he shows up in his club landscaping truck with, with a trailer on the back that I think he drives himself. Yeah, he does. It's what it takes to race. People do it for the love of the sport. Um, I just wish Arca found found more more value for its drivers and like the problem is there are six cars that are run pretty much by toyota i feel like right toyota maybe maybe there's a couple of other ones that are that are somewhat competitive but it's basically toyota right toyota funds their arca programs and and those are the cars that win every race and like how are you going to compete with a car that's that's spending at more than a lot of truck teams are to go to the racetrack every week Mm -hmm. you're not going to you're just not going to be able to figure that out. Um, and, and in a in a series where the purse, I think, is like five or ten grand to win the yeah. freaking show, how are you going to justify spending a hundred to go to the racetrack? Yeah, no, it's right. Well, like, 
that was the thing a few weeks ago they did the dirt double at um decoin and uh, springfield they were like brett cruz won at springfield he gets a chance to win thirty four thousand dollars or whatever it was and my jaw dropped i was like we're gonna give that much money out to a guy right now like that's <laughs> way out of arca's league i feel like yeah i i grew up racing with brett cruz i actually when i was a commentator in those years he was he was a young kid and he was he was going through the the ranks of carting and i remember as like a, as a 10 or 11 year old kid he got into a fight at pittsburgh um after in like the national level event um he's a feisty dude he's he's gonna be something in nascar um but again like he's got he's got some serious backing like he is not he he spent a lot of money on go-karts and i imagine he's spending a lot of money on on stock cars too but he will be a personality i think people will end up liking him or right like he's gonna be one of those split guys i think in in 10 years where Drivers or fans are going to love him. Mm-hmm. Fans are going to hate him. Like, that's going to be it. There's going to be the people who think, oh, yeah, this kid's checkers or wreckers, baby. And then that's going to create a split, a split field. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm in my eyes for, for my racing career, I feel like I'm running out of tweets to send to get major sponsors on board. So I'm just <laughs> working on it. Uh, but I mean, you've done like a lot. Like, Okay, I don't know if I fever dream this or if it's legit. You sold your car at one point, right? To race? Yes. That's okay. I, for some reason, you know what's crazy, Ben? People found a way to shit on me for that, too. Like, it's, it is haters will hate. It's unbelievable. Like, here I am. Okay, I'm just, I'm living my dream. I could not be happier. I write articles for Toby about my racing journey. Those articles are not to complain. I think people think they're my form to, to, to moan about my racing (laughs) Mm -hmm. journey. They're not. I'm living my lifelong dream right now. And I don't complain about having to work about it. Those are the stories to show you what it takes in NASCAR and hopefully make people aware that, Hey, these small time drivers that sometimes get, get pooped on, maybe you should like realize yeah. they're the ones who are probably working the hardest to get where they are. I, I mean, like there are guys who are just literally getting checks, hand them in and going behind the wheel. Right? Like other of us, uh, Alex club owns a landscaping business. He has a full time job. He just hops in a race car on the weekend. Yeah. And like people were telling him, like, oh, get off the track. No, the guy doesn't want to get off the track because he's running laps at Bristol. That's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's crazy to me so, the things some people say. And like the Toby articles got me absolutely crap. People are like, oh, this kid's out of touch. Oh, this kid doesn't know what he's talking. Here's the deal. I got that card through a late model sponsorship deal. Okay. I am not as a college kid. Going to University of Virginia, which is a tens of thousands of dollar university, spending $40,000, I think it was actually more than that, $50,000 on a street car. Yeah. Now what's freaking happening? But that car was my pride and joy. I loved that thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I can't help the fact that I was really good at marketing when I was doing late model racing. And I happened to have a Dodge dealer that was on my late model alongside TobyChristie.com. And I sold the car. And like that was a painful thing to go from driving a 2021 car that I love to a 2012 Nissan Altima with a flat left front tire, the radiator wow. flying off, and it had 250,000 miles on it. Beater. Wow. The piano teacher who lives in my basement drove that car. And I bought it from him for like 1500 bucks. Yeah. Huh. And like people are like, I don't feel bad for this kid at all. Well, you know what then? Guess what? Have fun rooting for these personality-less people who are just getting checks signed from here I am showing some feisty flame. 
living the damn dream. And people are like, no, we don't really like you because you sold your car, you rich white kid. Literally, all of Tricon is rich white kids. What are we talking about? I'm done. I'm done. It's, anyway. <laughs> it's funny. Like the entire time you've talked, I've thought, I don't know. Like I know Taylor doesn't. Do you listen to Dinner with Racers? I've listened to a few after you told me about it. Yeah. So it's a good podcast. It's uh, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Uh, they have this concept that they talk about where there's like, there's drivers and then there's racers. Like there pe- yeah. there's like, per- like there's the rich white people or the rich people in the sport. And then there's the guys that like, are like you. And like, I talked about it. I talked, I told the story someone yesterday. There's the story of like um, Don Garlitz that like someone in Florida was like, Hey, go- drive up to Michigan and there'll be a guy waiting for you with a job. And here's a truck. Cause I like you. And I told the guy, like, you're doing the racer thing. You sold your car to do this. You're doing left, right things. You're a racer. There's a difference. Yeah. And I sold that car because I asked myself, I'm going to law school on top of trying to manage this, whatever the hell it is in racing. I'm also in law school. And I know that in 20 years, I I will be fine. Like I'm going to recover. I've in every stage of my academic life, I figured it out and I make things happen. I will get a job at a law firm. I will be a lawyer somewhere. I will be okay. I'm, that's why I'm not afraid of the financial burden that I've taken on for racing, right? Mm-hmm. But the burden is totally mine. The other thing people crapped on about that St. Louis race are like, oh, you had your dad's company sponsor you, right? Like Aramark was on my truck. We did that as a thank you to Aramark. Aramark yeah. did not give us a dollar. Yeah, and we, like, put the logos on. we put the mm-hmm. logos on there, one, because it looked great for us, right? We didn't have a blank race truck going. ARS was actually a primary in terms of what they gave us financially. Two, two, uh, they have kept my dad employed and allowed him a lot of flexibility throughout his cancer treatments, which is awesome. They continue to to enact him and, and keep him alive and keep him afloat and keep him doing things as if he's a normal person. And that's a huge thing for us. So in, it, to put them on our truck, because by the way, at one point they did fund my racing career because they signed my dad's paychecks. And when I was a go-kart racer, my dad paid for all that stuff. And that was awesome. They did not give us any money. The mm-hmm. money, the money that I put up for Gateway was almost entirely from my streetcar and the sale of my streetcar. Um, and I think people people think that because I uh, I have my dad's company on there that I am daddy's money as well, and that's just not true. Um, and that one really sucked because to me that was something really cool we were doing for a great company, and um, I was honored to have them on my truck. And people took it as, well, look at this, it's another sponsored kid. I kind of like almost just in some people's eyes, it overshadowed the act of selling my car, um, which was super symbolic. And I had asked myself the question in 20 years, do I want to be the guy who said, yep, I get to drive a bright orange sports car for a few more years, or do I want to be the guy who did another NASCAR race and really said he gave it his all. And I made my choice and I wanted to be the guy who said he gave it his all. Um, Funnily enough, I didn't have that Nissan Altima for long. I actually got a phone call from a guy before Pocono who uh, told me he read my story on either Fox Sports or TobyChristie.com or something about one of those websites about selling my car. Big motorsports fan. He owned a small car dealership out in Lancaster. He practically gave me a 2006 Dodge Charger. That is. Oh, whoa. Nice. Yeah. And and like, and if you looked at my car, my truck for Pocono, there's a, there's a sticker for, for a car dealership on there. And that's that's what he did. He said, he's like, I love your story. He's like, I, you're you're a hardworking guy. He's like, well, if you come out and check out the car, we'll, we'll come to an agreement. And we did. And like, it was, it cost me almost nothing to get the car. Um, and that was, I, at the end of the day, I don't, I basically paid 
tax title tax. That's it. I mean, the big thing here, I mean, there's like, there's a few lessons here. So one, it's like people online suck. And a lot of it is just ignorance and not wanting to learn the full picture. It's just, it's being crappy to be crappy. Like it's because yeah. people feed off of that. They love it. NASCAR Twitter loves it. And, I, and I've learned, I, it doesn't really bother me as much as it used to. Um, I, I have found that the best way to respond is with humor. Yeah. Um, like somebody tweeted underneath my Outback post that I wasn't very good. And I said, oh my God, you know, this is, I guess me when, I think I said <laughs> me when, me when, if you know, you know, 45 says you're not very good at NASCAR <laughs> racing. It was the Jeremy Clarkson race says, oh no, anyways. Yeah. That, that's like, I think you just have to respond to it with humor, right? Like yeah, these people, I will say I did, I did get like doxxed on Reddit, which was pretty scary. Ooh. Um, oh God. Yeah, that was a little weird. This this one guy on Reddit just absolutely has it out for me. Uh, That's Reddit for you. That, that like, is Reddit in a nutshell. There's a few people on Reddit who have it out, but like some of the, some of the tweets were pretty funny. I like uh, I laugh at them, but it was like, oh, I guess you really lived up to his sponsor's name by running out back. <laughs> but I'm funny, good one. Real really had me going. Uh, <laughs> and then I tweeted that too because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but I don't know. At the end of the day, you just gotta laugh at it. I'm I'm lit I'm living my literal dream. What am I gonna do? Keep complaining about it? No. Oh no, some guy on the internet who probably lives in his mom's basement said he doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. ah! yeah. I mean, so there's there's that. And then the other thing is the you know, the importance of relationships. And I think too, you talk about like what's the ROI or even to like just B2B opportunities for all these companies behind the scenes too. But it's, you build these relationships with these folks and you build a network and you have people that support you. And that's huge. And that's what helps you get this Outback deal. That's what helps you get all these other deals that you've had and have gotten you opportunities in the car. Plus you working your ass off. Like yeah. it's, it's so important and people don't realize how far relationships and networking go in any industry, but especially in motorsports. And and no relationship to me has been more important than my relationship with Josh, Josh mm -hmm. Ray. Like that is, mm -hmm. That is the one that has changed the trajectory of everything that I've done so far. Um, yeah. And basically because I have, I, I'll, I'll be honest, he's like a father to me. He's ended up becoming like a dad. Um, and he, although he's more like a brother, I guess, because he's only 10 years older than I am. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, uh, this metaphor he, got weird fast. Yeah, <laughs> right? He, uh, <laughs> he ended up, you know, he's been in nothing but of the greatest help to me in my career and he does everything he can to make sure that I'm living my dream. And that means a ton to me, but like, that's a great example of how sometimes it's just running into the right person at the right time yeah. to end up. It's like Chase Briscoe, right? Chase Briscoe yeah. ended up being Tony Stewart and that's how he made it. Right. Like yeah. he's, he's an example of, of one of the ways you can make it in stock car racing. You know, you end up meeting the right people and impressing the right people. I think Chase Briscoe at one point was sleeping in his car. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, like you end up meeting the right people and making the right connections and you can find yourself at the top. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're hoping for, right? Just keep building, keep, keep, I'll give you, here's a great example of how relationships can spiral. I, I did this Outback deal, found out that Outback was going to sponsor me. So I do a bunch of stuff to get promos, including schedule an appearance at Food City through one of my other sponsors, Luba Bella Wines, who I met through one of my other sponsors, which was Stacking Denny's, which is the podcast run by Nick Giffen and Jordan McCabe, who I love dearly. I was on their podcast yesterday. Um, we love it. <laughs> so it spirals out and do an appearance at a food city. I'm at this food city appearance, giving out blooming onions to people. 
by the way, I have to get up like a thousand blue onions over the next week or so. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, they gave me a bunch of blue onion cards with my name on it that I have to just hand to people. I'm like, hi, NASCAR driver Stephen Malazzi. <laughs> Freaking blue onion, baby. They're like, I didn't have the favorite basketball driver now, but you give me a nine ninety nine blue onion, and I will root for you, baby. That's um, how it works. <laughs> uh, Love it. Um, so at this food city, giving out blue onions, people sign autographs. I get a phone call from an Atlanta number that I don't recognize. Hang it up. I'm like, I don't know who the hell lives in Atlanta. It's freaking. It's freaking Brett Patterson, the president slash CEO of Outback Steakhouse, calling me to wish me good luck. I'm like, holy oh moly, I just hung up on the president of the company. <laughs> that's oh sponsoring no. me, and he is a busy dude. And, like, that's when it kind of said in that I, I've done something here. Like, this yeah. is a real – and when he told me – one of the things he said to me was that he was he was proud to have me on board and have me doing this deal. That meant the world to me. That was a huge moment for me um, to hear that come out of, of this. Because, uh, like, I, I have not only been working at the company for years as an employee – um, but now I'm, I'm a representative of the brand. And like, mm -hmm. to me, it's really important that I uphold their standards and that I make them proud. And to hear the guy pretty much at the top of the food chain tell me, you're doing a good job, kid, that, that means a lot. Yeah. Uh, those are the moments that we live for. It was a roller coaster of a day because, you know, CEO of Outback calls you, tells you you're doing a good job. Then you go finish 30 second eight laps down. It's it's a little bit of, a, of an up and down kind of day, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Those are my lows, I feel like. I also like... If you really want to know a little more insight about small-time racing drivers, this will definitely be in the tobychristie.com Bristol story. Um, we drove back that night. I, I got out of the car at – out of the track probably close to midnight. Eight hours back to New Jersey. Okay? Eight hours. On a day where, by the way, Wednesday night, I left law school probably around 4 and got into Bristol around two. So then I woke up at seven to go to Food City at eight. I was there until 10.30, went to Outback from 11 to one. I was in the fan zone at 2.30, qual practice at four, qualifying 4.30, race at nine, back on the road at midnight, mm -hmm. back in Philadelphia at 9 a.m., law school the next day. Yeah. Gross. Gross, gross. Yeah. And like. <laughs> People are like, yeah, but you finished thirty second, boo, dude. I'm working my ass off. I don't care if you if you're upset that I finished thirty second. Like, I I'm too tired for this. I don't have time for it. Uh, <laughs> like, look at these. These are bags under my eyes right now. Again, though, I'm not upset. I can sleep when I'm retired. I will have plenty of time to lay down in bed all day. Right now, we are digging to make the dreams happen, and that's it. That's that's yeah. I'm good. I have nothing else to say. I think. <laughs> well, before you go, just um, even to like, do you have anything up on the schedule next? Any plans? Yeah, what's coming up? What you to do? I don't know. Do you guys know any multi-million dollar companies that want to sponsor <laughs> the Fast Truck Series driver with the best finish of 22nd? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I'll do some digging. Oh, baby. Let, <laughs> let me Branscombe be on the job <laughs> here. He's got <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm working on some stuff. Um, and if I'm honest with you, I'm, I'm hoping to bring out back back next year. I think we can probably get something going. <clears throat> um, but for now, I think there are only three truck races left this year anyway. Yeah. And if I'm not wrong. I think I can do Xfinity road courses too. Um, so I'm not saying that that's something I'm considering, but it could be. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and road course racing is obviously my background. And now that I'm much more comfortable in a stock car, I'd love to go back to a road course and see what we can do. Um, the reality of it is, though, this year probably done. I already got a lot of heat from law school for missing a few days. Um, so I think I should probably just focus on finishing out the semester and yeah. uh, and getting it getting it done. And then we'll come back better than ever next year. Well, when you're when you go back on the track, you have a spot on the show to talk about it. Well, wow, I'm honored. Am I am I one of your favorites, Taylor? Be honest. We do love you, Stephen. We really yeah. do. <laughs> Ben is one of those guys that I just feel like I should talk to more. And I just don't. But Come like, around. I, talk I really talk like, to us more. Man, I, really feel, I talk to you occasionally, Taylor, but I feel like Ben and I would be freaking boys. Like We would. Well, it's funny. Like The first thing would. you said when you are talking about like the working for him for free and people giving you guff on Twitter was I kind of was one of those people giving you guff at first. So. No, were you? Yeah. Wait, well, like it was a you thing of like. You asshole. I made, I made the point. He's walking away. Stephen Malazzi, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, what, what did you say about me? Well, I wasn't giving you specifically guff. I was just like, as someone who can't, like, I would love to move to, like, if I could right now, I would pack a bag and move to Charlotte. Same. Yeah. Crash on someone's couch and work at Costco or somewhere, for goodness sake, to be able yeah. to even just go to weekend races in, in North Carolina, let alone work in the sport. So, like, it's something, like, it was one of those things, like, you know, I would, if I had knew I had, stable income down there i would do it but it's yeah. just one that like you had a little bit of a different story it's just my background is different from your background that's different from taylor's background so it's just one of those like it wasn't like bad guff it was just like i can't afford to do this so i would like to get wow. paid for the work that it's I do. jealousy it's oh, jealousy it really is jealousy jealousy i i was blessed i'll tell you exactly what happened maybe this will change your opinion during covid i my parents made me not have a job okay mm -hmm. but i actually moved out i lived with my best friend for a while I, I literally like, I, and that sucked because a, as an at-risk person, yo, PJ, by the way, hold on, wait, 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 don't, don't lose this thread, Ben. This is my spotter. Peach was, was my mid Ohio spotter. Love this guy. Love him to death. It's uh PJ Payne. Great guy. Such a G. I just did his birth announcement. Um, he's having a second kid. Um, oh my gosh. Congrats. Awesome. And I, uh, I did a little, I did a little video for him with Josh outside of one of the Outbacks we did an appearance at on Tuesday. And I was like, hey, you know, I've, I've got my two babies right here, the Outback truck and Outback Steakhouse. I'm like, I think we've got a friend in common who knows a little something about having a second kid. I sent him a nice little video about it, which is pretty sweet. Anyways, love it, PJ. Um, so I didn't have a job. I wasn't allowed to have a job during COVID, but every dime I did have, I saved. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to my friend's house and started working at Domino's quite literally 50 plus hours a week, just yeah. slinging pizzas constantly. And delivering during pizza was actually a great job because you didn't have to have contact with people. And people were were very generous in their in their tipping towards the service because it was pretty much a necessity at that point. Mm -hmm. Um my dad one day like was was talking about a stock portfolio and told me that I should invest too. So I did put all of my money into random stocks like Dave and Buster's and Red Robin and, and my Dave money, and all, all the companies that had been hammered by COVID. I yeah. learned the ins and outs of the stock market and I learned how to invest. I invested all my money and I basically, you know, quadrupled it to six times that like, 
And like, for example, I bought Red Robin at like three bucks. I think I sold it at 38. It's crazy. Oh, geez, wow. um, nice. And that's where I got the money to move from the yeah. starting money, right? The money that I used on racing. I, I did not touch any of the racing money for actual living expenses. All mm -hmm. of my living expenses came from those domino shifts that I'd work from six to two. It was not an easy thing, but uh, I think people think when they hear my story that my mom and dad like paid my rent or, or did this or, or did that. At the end of the day, they were like, listen, we love you and we'll support you. And if you yeah. need to come back home, we'll let you come back home. They did indeed help me with my rent at my Charlottesville apartment, which was, I think it was on campus housing. So it wasn't like particularly expensive. They continued to pay that even though I moved out. Uh, but they're like, if you want to do this, this is on you. So when I moved down there, um, it was basically everything that I spent from food to gas money to my rent was from the six to two job that I had slinging pies. So it was a lot of four hours of sleep a night. And a lot of days, I'll be honest, a lot of days I would go into RBR late. Like I'd be there at nine or nine 30 because I just, I was so tired. Mm -hmm. I, if I got there, even if I got there at nine 30, it was a nine 30 to two kind of work shift. Right. And yeah. that's, that's, that's tough. you know, 17 hours of work on six hours of sleep a day. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot, it was a lot for me to handle. Um, but I think a lot of the reason why people think that people think, you know, I would kill to move to Charlotte is because people don't realize just what I had to do to make that dream a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like I said, again, not me complaining, I, I would do it again. I would do it again and again and again to get to where I am today. And that's the fact of life as I would. I just think people, the, the thing that pisses me off on social media is not the criticism. If people want to criticize me, I will take it to heart and I will hear it. And I will listen to it. It's the people who are uninformed and continue to yeah. criticize anyway. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what bothers me. You are informed, Ben. Yes. So your criticism of me has to go straight here, right to the heart, right to the number oh, 34 Michael mm -hmm. McDowell t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I, I'm kind of upset now. I don't know that we can be good friends anymore, Ben. I'm, uh, I'm going to go <laughs> oh. upstairs and cry about it. So I'm yeah. sorry to break your heart. I really yeah. am. <laughs> has your, let me ask you a question. After talking to me now, I think twice, has your opinion of me changed at all? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Okay. That's like, like, it definitely has. Like, and I knew you were a guy that like worked hard. But like, again, it's like, I didn't, we didn't know. Like, I didn't, wasn't yeah. fully aware of the whole story. Like, yeah. Cause that's where I'm at now is I'm, I'm working 45 hours a week, 10 hour shifts. And I'm doing that to save, that's my day job that I'm living off of, but trying to save money to be able to move at some point down there. And you're like, hot damn. And you're like, imagine it. Imagine if somebody's tweeting at you, like, because you know, you drove to the Arca race yourself and drove back the night of, and you didn't get the story out to the next day. Imagine if somebody retweeted your story, like, man, not only does the story suck, but it's out a day late. You'd yeah. be like, you have no idea what the hell I just did to cover Arca. You dumb, dumb, stinky head. Yeah. You'd be like, you fired up about it. You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I feel like a lot of this, has this been like a therapy session for me? Have I been venting to you guys? You owe us a thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> <laughs> I've got about 600 of that for you guys. Hey. That's, that's pretty much it. But then I got no food, money, nothing at all. <laughs> I'm completely dry. So uh, let's not give that away. <laughs> I will pay you back. Maybe I'll put above the yellow line on my next race car. Oh, 
Maybe, I'll put, maybe I'll put a picture of Ben Branscombe's face on my next <gasps> one. I wouldn't yes. recommend that. You know what? If if my logo gets canned for Ben's face on the car, do that. What There's do better things we can put on a race car besides my no, face. No, there is not. No. Are you a Flyers fan, Ben? Yes. Are you from Philly? No, I'm from Kentucky. So why are you a Flyers fan? 2010 yeah. playoffs. There was nothing else on. I put it on and they were the underdog. And I was like, well, I'll root for an underdog. Wow. So I'm big Flyers fan. That's what we'll do. We'll catch a game sometime, you and I. I'd when the Flyers that. go to Kentucky, we'll catch a game. Wait. Sounds. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But if you're ever in Philly, me you and I will catch a Flyers game. Anyways, I'm going to get rocking because I got law school rating to do. <laughs> Folks, every time we talk, my heart is filled with love for you two. Love you okay. both. We will talk, I promise you, soon. Um, John, I will make that happen. Shraminator, I love you, bro. PJ, I love you. To all of you, thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you support Above the Yellow Line. Make sure you become Stephen J. Malaz fans. If I ever win a NASCAR championship, everybody who comments on this video will get a free shirt. It's a long shot, but yes. you should just comment. Easy <laughs> Mark that down. Mark it down. Ben and Taylor will hold me to it. On that note, goodbye. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. so much, Steven. <laughs> yeah, we love Steven. We appreciate him joining us. If you want more of his work, his memoirs on racing, more reports from Ben and myself and everyone in between, uh, make sure to go to tobychristie.com for more motorsports news. I'm um, breaking news, too. We do a great job at Toby Christie. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not like trying to be biased here, but I think we do a great job. I think um, we're allowed to be biased to for our employer. You know what? That's, oh. yeah, that's fine. I, I'm not. This is me being biased and proud of it. We do a great job. So um, definitely check out tobychristie.com. Also check out abovevelaline.com, Motorsports Media, your way um, for more recent updates on what we do, what we have going on. And in case you're not sure of like, hey, you know, what the heck is Above the Line? My website will tell you. So make sure to check us out there. Um, social media pages, Above the Line. Normal episodes come out on podcasting platforms pretty much every single Monday. Sometimes we might have Sunday episodes that come out just based on timing. But, but most Mondays you'll see us on those podcasts podcasting platforms recapping the races and then just to be keep this in mind too um off season is fast approaching uh we'll kind of have a content plan for you all very soon in that regards and next weekend we're watching um, cars we're gonna, we're gonna watch finish cars three we need to finish the car saga so we will probably watch cars three over the off season uh, but we have so much fun content coming to you guys um also Special guest next week. Um, Spencer Boyd is joining us on the stream next Thursday at 7 p.m. So make sure to tune in next week, too. We have guests upon guests upon guests. Very excited about it. And for updates on who we're going to have as guests on our next stream, check out our social media pages. Of course, mine and Ben are on the screen. Like, they're, they're our name tags. So, like, follow us there. And then other places to follow us are also on the screen for you. Above the yellow line at underscore Taylor Kitchen underscore and at Toby Christie. Come on all social media platforms. I'm going to stop rambling, though. That was a long outro. I need to fix that, but that's okay. Thank you all so much for joining us um, this Thursday night. Um, thanks, Ben, for joining me as well. Thank you for, for having me. It's always Great. a pleasure. Of course. Awesome. Well, signing off, you all. Thanks so much, and happy race weekend. Talk to you all later. Bye. Vroom.